0: Hello, and welcome to the EMG Health Podcast. My name is Gemma Boak. I'm a research scientist turned health advocate, and today I'm pleased to be presenting a podcast on the management of HBV liver transplant patients that has been sponsored by Biotest. In this episode, we'll be exploring the management of HBV liver transplant patients and discussing highlights from the International Liver Transplant Society's annual congress held in Istanbul in May, 2022. Joining me for the discussion today are experts in the field of liver transplantation and presenters of the Biotest Industry Session on the Management of HBV Liver Transplant Patients at the ILTS Congress. It is my pleasure to introduce Professor Peter Schemmer, Chairman of General Visceral and Transplant Surgery at the Medical University of Graz, Austria, Professor Patricia Burra, Full Professor of Gastroenterology and Head of the Multivisceral Transplantation Unit at Padua University, Italy, and Professor Ramazan Idelman, Professor of Medicine at the Faculty of Internal Medicine, Ankara University, Turkey. Together they will share their key takeaways from the ILTS Congress and discuss how to reduce patient risk after HBV liver transplantation. Welcome to the podcast. So let's start off talking about the ILTS Congress. Professor Shema, you've attended several ILTS congresses in the past. What were the highlights of this edition in Istanbul?
1: Well, apart from the HPV sessions, I was interested in the sessions of another three also relevant topics, which do belong to the highlights for me this year as well. Uh, It was little machine perfusion, full laparoscopic robotic live donation and minimal invasive assisted transplantation and also living donor liver transplantation for colorectal liver metastasis. So the advancements uh, advancements in these fields are tremendous, with both interdisciplinary concepts for the peritransplant treatment of colorectal cancer and also the technical aspects of the minimal invasive uh, surgery in liver transplantation.
0: Professor Burra, was the ILTS Congress what you expected? And can you share your personal highlights from your time there? Yeah,
2: the Congress, um, the Congress, the LTS Congress 2022 was organized in Istanbul, as as we know, in presence and online. Uh, that happens after two years of uh, postponing due to the pandemic. So it was really a moment of meeting with colleagues uh, from the world of liver transplantation that uh, we have been missing for some time. Uh, The Congress, despite the the lower number of of people present uh, compared to the previous uh, uh, editions of IFDS, was absolutely in line with uh, my expectations. And in terms of the uh, the highlights of this edition, I think that uh, attending uh, the plenaries and and, and several parallel sessions, I found that uh, a strong message is that uh, we have epidemiological change of liver diseases with indication for liver transplantation especially in the U.S., where the number of transplants performed for NASH is increasing in the eye. Uh, The second strong message is that uh, uh, we have more and more indication from uh, uh, oncological diseases and the multidisciplinary management of those diseases with indication for liver transplantation is absolutely needed um another one is uh, um uh, let's move to the to the uh, uh, decompensation of uh, liver cirrhosis there is a need to standardize the definition of acute and chronic liver failure uh, in particular between western and eastern countries in order to uh, definitely identify the patient that would need liver transplantation and i think from the surgical point of view there were different uh, presentation and abstract selection on advances of uh, surgical techniques and that's uh, represented in, in either uh, transplantation for disease donors
0: from living donors and DCD. And Professor Edelman, can you share what really stood out for you?
3: I couldn't attend uh, the ILTS this year because of my personal issue, but as far as I heard my, from, from my colleagues, uh, the number of the attending to ILTS this year is lower than the, the previous ones, uh, because of the, I expected that because of the COVID after the COVID pandemic uh, is ongoing. But uh, I heard that there are a couple of the the, the panels and satellites uh, have a uh, high interest rate. One of the the ILTS TASO Conference, another one the the HP uh, uh, Satellite Symposium.
0: Now, Professor Shema and Professor Burra, you both mentioned um, that you enjoyed the sessions that looked at oncological disease. I expect this is aligned with your interest in HBV.
1: Well, uh, I think there are, there's a number of, of uh, malign tumors that also can be addressed adequately uh, in the field of liver transplantation. Uh, It's it's not only HCC, of course, this is a major focus of uh, liver transplantation, but it's also other disease. Uh, And, you know, in the Scandinavian countries, uh, also colorectal liver metastasis uh, Mm -hmm. seem to be a focus in this. And there are some new concepts that were convincingly presented during the Congress.
0: Now, you were all presenters at the biotest industry session on the management of patients after HBV-related liver transplantation. Professor Bora, can you share your thoughts on why this topic is so important at the moment and then outline the topics you covered during your speaker session?
2: Yeah, certainly. So this symposium was uh, really interesting. Uh, I saw that many people filled the room and where were many others uh, went online. Uh, Regarding uh, the the, the specific topic of my talk, uh, it concerned the modern use of uh, uh, immunoglobulins against hepatitis B uh, for the prevention of HPV recurrence after liver transplant. And I pay particular attention to high risk categories, Uh, for example, patient with Delta co-infection and patient with hepatocellular carcinoma. Um, Certainly, the the, the available data confirm the best efficacy in the prevention of HPV reinfection from the use of immunoglobulins together with NUCs, a fact also uh, confirmed by a very recent meta-analysis that I presented. Uh, During my presentation, then reporting the data on the patient's uh, adherence to prophylaxis, which uh, improved over the years uh, passing from the intravenous, uh, intramuscular, and final subcutaneous administration of immunoglobulins, as well as the best perception in terms of quality of life and well-being by the patient. And lastly, uh, a fact that should not be underestimated, the cost of immunoglobulin was rediscussed, which is, in fact, an aspect that must be considered when choosing the method and the, of the uh, administering the drug. And uh, uh, I presented a recent study uh, that demonstrated that uh, indirect cost savings uh, if the patient uh, is able to self-administer immunoglobulins at home without the need for hospital access or the involvement of nursing staff.
0: You mentioned that the cost can be reduced of using the immunoglobulins if patients can self-administer at home. Is this something that people want to do? And do you think this is connected to improved patient adherence to treatment protocols?
2: Uh, I believe that uh, we needed to to, to find a balance between uh, uh, facilities, education and and self-administration that is related to any kind of drug. In this case, since we have three different uh, routes of administration of immunoglobulins, the only one that the patient can manage on herself or herself is the subcutaneous administration. And that means uh, uh, that uh, we needed to, to educate the patient how to do that. But once that is done, I think the patient is quite uh, uh, pleased uh, to stay at home and, and to perform the administration on his or her own. Uh, but that said, the problem of adherence to medical treatment after transplantation is an issue, is still an issue, since we have at least one between one third to to even 50% of the patient that would not really follow completely uh, all the uh, uh, information, all the suggestion, recommendation that we give to them related to the management of examinations, outpatient clinic, and, 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 and drugs.
0: Uh, Professor Shema, what topics did you discuss during the session? And why do you think this is important? Why is it important we open up conversation in these areas?
1: Well, of course, we, we discussed many areas in, in the field of HPV and HCC. Um, during my presentation, for instance, uh, we have outlined the, the current status and standards on how to prevent the recurrence of HPV infection after liver transplantation. And we have of course defined the well-known high risk patients and stressed the fact that uh, there is a role of uh, actually HBS antigen for the recurrence of HPV associated HCC. Um, But further, we, we discussed also whether the HBICs could be discontinued after liver transplantation after some years. Uh, but uh, we agreed that there's no data on supporting a discontinuation of the Hbics. Uh, there's no randomized controlled trials on that. And moreover, we, we talked also about uh, on how to apply the Hbics. And Bora just stated it uh, that there, of course, there are alternatives of the IV application, which is IM subcutaneously, which actually seems to be uh, equally effective. Uh, as, as, as long as the entire uh, HPS antigen level is above 100, and uh, maybe we can save some costs with it.
0: And Professor Idelman, what did you share during the session?
3: My task is, how can we achieve best patient outcomes after HPV-related liver transplantation? First of all, I would like to give the some number. As you know, that chronic hepatitis B remains a major public health problem worldwide with a prevalence of approximately 250 million people, leading to potential complications, including decompensation cirrhosis and HCC. In Turkey, HPV-related cirrhosis with without HCC accounts for almost half of the liver transplant cases. I would like to uh, highlight that how to treat HPV-related cirrhosis on waiting list, and uh, we we recommend that all HPV-related cirrhosis on waiting list should be treated with NA, with a high genetic barrier to resistance, such as antikavir, tenofovir, and TAF to minimize the risk of HPV recurrence to improve liver function. Uh, post-transplant HPV recurrence may lead to the graft loss and mortality. After introduction of HP and uh, NA's, HPV recurrence is now well tolerable. Uh, how can we uh, decide, how can we diagnose of the HPV recurrence? So, Because surface antigen positivity cannot be considered the gold standard to diagnose to HPV recurrence after liver transplantation, because surface antigen may persist transiently Without detectable HPV DNA level. And also, active replication can be detected without surface antigen positivity. So, uh, surface antigen positivity and detectable HPV DNA levels is the gold standard to diagnose HPV recurrence after uh, liver transplantation. Then, uh, I also mentioned that. Potent nucleoside or nucleotide analog combined with HPEG are effective in preventing HPV recurrence after uh, liver transplantation as the standard of the treatment. Uh, but there is still controversial on the optimal prophylactic protocol in the, uh, among the liver transplant centers. Uh, I also mentioned that the risk factor for the recurrence, but I know the better will be talked on about it, and uh, I would like to mention also the HDV positive patient, because the optimal prophylactic approach to patient for uh, delta hepatitis still remains unclear. Since presence of the surface antigen is necessary for HDV replication, post-transplant HPV or HDV recurrence could lead to HPV HTV reinfection of the liver graft. Now, I mean, the, the prevention of HTV release on the same measures used to prevent HPV reinfection. Since there is no effective treatment against HTV infection, the long term combination of HP with nucleotide or nucleotide treatment as a standard prophylaxis is recommended for the patient with HTV infection. Uh, There are few studies uh, which reported safety and feasibility to complete HPV prophylaxis withdrawal but current knowledge full HPV prophylaxis withdrawal cannot be recommended after liver transplantation in patients with HPV infection.
0: It cannot be recommended, can you expand on that please?
3: The recommended prophylaxis against HPV recurrence is crucial for improving graft and patient survival. The current standard of care for the prevention HPV recurrence is HP combined with potent NA.
0: Now, you mentioned that there is a lot of discussion around the main risk factors for HPV recurrence um, and also HCC recurrence after HPV liver transplantation. Professor Sharma. What are the, these main risk factors and what can be done to prevent HBV or HCC recurrence?
1: Yeah, I mean, all of this is very important. Uh, there, there's a well known high risk group for the HBV recurrence after liver transplantation. And these uh, patients commonly show one of four major factors, which is cirrhosis with positive HBE antigen. This is one of which then there's high serum HPV DNA, uh, antiviral drug resistance uh, before liver transplantation, and also HCC, which is either there during the time of transplantation or uh, there's recurrence cancer. So the the best possible way to actually uh, prevent HPV recurrence is up to now uh, in my opinion, uh, a combination of HBs and nucleotide anal- analogues. Why is that? Uh, many reasons, including HCC recurrence. Now, let me come to HCC and HBS antigen. Uh, now we come to the risk factors for recurrence of HPV-associated HCC. And there is an HCC recurrence rate of uh, roughly 15% in HBS antigen-positive patients, And there's more or less two factors responsible for this. Uh, Number one, uh, there is probably an expansion of residual tumor cells containing HPV DNA and residual HPV RNA or HBS antigen produced by other non-tumor cells during the reactivation of HPV, which in turn drives the de novo recurrence of HCC. And therefore, best possible way to actually to overcome this hurdle is to, number one, get rid of the HPV with the dual therapy Hbix plus nucleotide analogs and actually to get also rid of the HbS antigen to seem to be a promoter of uh, HCC recurrence.
0: Professor Burr, Professor Idelman, is there anything you would like to add to this? Another thing that I enjoyed
2: during the LTS Congress was the session uh, which I attended, organized by the Turkish Association for the Study of the Liver, TASL. It was called TASL-ILTS session. And uh, they were really very interesting presentation and, and the, the colleagues from Turkey were really very active in several topics. And again, we discussed during the, the session about uh, the prevention uh, of the recurrence of hepatocellular carcinoma, uh, 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 together with the prevention of uh, recurrence of HPV after transplantation for patients having both uh, uh, the cirrhosis due to hepatitis B and the, 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 the liver cancer. And during the same session, there was an interesting discussion about the new drugs, uh, immune modulators on ICIs, the new drugs that to treat the HCC, the carcinoma, before transplantation to maintain the patient suitable for transplantation. And it's still an ongoing discussion about the, the, the time interval in between the treatment and the, and the transplantation due to the potential, let's say, effect of these new drugs on the risk of rejection. Uh, but overall, let's say that I, I really like very much, I really enjoyed the, 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 the taso LTS session.
0: It sounds like there's a really interesting conversation to be had here about the typical treatment pathways after HBV liver transplant. Um, Professor Sheba there mentioned um, uh, some treatment options. You've obviously um heard some really interesting ideas uh, at the Congress. So, Professor Burra, could you tell me, is there a typical treatment pathway after a HBV liver transplant or is this still very much under discussion?
2: I think that uh, um, I would like really to say that after so many years of research uh, so many published clinical studies, uh, our hope is to be able to standardize the prophylaxis schemes of HPV reinfection. Uh, we have heard about the choices of monotherapy, combined therapy, uh, reduction of the doses of immunoglobulins, as well as the administration, different administration routes, the dosage of immunoglobulins. So I believe they are still heterogeneous uh, between various countries and various liver transplant centers. So I think the aim should really be to
0: standardize the prophylaxis in the near future. Professor Shemmer, is there anything you would like to add?
1: Well, actually, I think the most important uh, points have been discussed and outlined. And uh, it's, it's always interesting, you know, the discussions and recommendations. But I think once we come down to the, the clear facts based on, on studies and also the, the missing uh, um, points and the missing evidence, then I think we have clearly stated what our opinion on that is.
0: Now, Professor Burr, you've mentioned standardizing treatment. And I know earlier you mentioned that one of your highlights from the con- Congress was um, the need to standardize definition of liver failure. Um, presumably, this is an area of interest for you. Do you think more research needs to be done um, in order to standardise um, definitions and the treatment prophylaxis?
2: Let's say that uh, uh, when uh, I wanted really to collect all the guidelines that have been published regarding the management of HPV. We have the, uh, the, the ISO guidelines on liver transplantation that I'm, was uh, really an honour for me to coordinate, was published in JHEP then we have the, the British Transplantation Society, then we have ASLD uh, guidelines, then we have the recent LITA guidelines, then we have uh, local local guidelines from the Spanish uh, 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 Society for, for liver transplantation. So I believe that we have a lot of science in brackets that is ongoing, but we need the, the, the different societies to discuss together, so to find really a unique, let's say maybe changing according to the country, So maybe the epidemiology of HPV is different if we compare the United States with Europe with Asia. But let's stay around the table together, the the representative of the major scientific society to get into at least a more well-defined prophylaxis for the recurrence of HPV and HCC after transplant.
0: And I imagine that being in person in a conference um, like this one here in, in, in Istanbul, um, can help develop that when you're meeting people from around the world with the same interests as you?
2: So I, 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 I think we can really, we, we have the feeling, we have the perception that everybody, any any guidelines is correct, is right, because it's really based on what is the public literature. But then uh, uh, what we miss, it's a, um, it's a document that we really cover. We have uh, at least the different attitudes that we have in different major countries in the world, and that I, I think it would help.
0: The conference was a hybrid event this year, with the option to attend in person or to watch live. For those of us who missed it, is there any way of watching any recordings?
2: Yes, that will be good to have uh, from the um, from the ILTS educational part uh, There is the homepage, and probably in uh, in in three months' time it will be available uh, to be watched from from there and also on a personal. Level, let's say, that we can distribute the link uh, to our groups uh, and uh, that will help the junior to follow the discussion.
0: And dates for the diary next year. Do you know when and where the ILTS will take place?
2: ILTS will be held in Rotterdam between 3 to 6 of May 2023.
0: 3 to 6th of May 2023 in Rotterdam. Thank you all very much for joining me on this podcast. That's it for this episode. I hope you found today's discussion of the highlights from the ILTS Congress and our exploration of the management options for HBB liver transplant patients as informative as I did. Thank you to Professor Shema, Professor Burra and Professor Idelman for your time and your insight. And if this episode interested you, you can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss the next one. Be safe and stay well. Bye for now.